I just now texted somebody about the episode that's coming up, um, which is titled, Does Every Part of Your Brain Want This Disaster to End Well? Um, And the text I wrote uh, goes like this, and it forms a reasonable introduction. This one I did about an hour ago. It argues that a lot of people would actually be loving this virus and hoping it kills millions. Uh, Now, I wasn't referring to just um, environmentalists there, but anyway. And further, that this is not necessarily a wrong thing to think. It depends what hat you've got on and what is defined as good and bad when you've got that hat on. If you were a historian um, or a student of politics or both, you know, or a journalist or um, a social scientist or a number of other disciplines well if you went if you had your choice and you could go back in time to any time in history and you had your choice as to what you'd want to get in the middle of uh, what to you know, what moment in history would you send yourself back into you know, in a time machine? And I think if you were a true student of any of those disciplines and plenty more disciplines like them, um, in which the science of the thing is the interesting thing, I think you wouldn't choose to go back in a time machine to a time... You know, when the sun was shining and the daisies were out and people were living happily, you know. Look, maybe you would, you know, if you're... Uh, I think if you were a linguist, you might go back to a time of peace and just, you know, so that you could wander around Europe and Asia and all that sort of stuff unhindered and without getting killed. Uh, there'd be certain professions where you would choose to go back into a very peaceful moment in history and do your work. Um, if you're an architect, you might do that too. You, know, um, you might go back to a period in time um, when um, you know when there was plenty of peace and plenty of construction going on. You know, actually, there'd be a lot of professions where you would choose a time when there wasn't mayhem going along. But if you were a historian, um, you might choose to go back to um, the day before Julius Caesar uh, got stabbed 23 times in the Senate. Um, Or you might go back in time to um, when Hadrian was levelling Jerusalem.
or you might, might go back in time and just have a look at Genghis Khan, yeah, um, slaughtering his way across the steppes of Asia, uh, yeah, and so on and so forth. You know, you might go back in time to Waterloo and watch that. See what was, yeah. If you're a military historian, you know, well, that's an obvious one, isn't it? You would go, you would go back to a point of, of mayhem then. Um, if you're a biblical scholar, you'd probably go back to a time when, you know, everyone was just um, navel gazing with theology. But there are plenty of disciplines, and historians, uh, I think, uh, history, you know, people who are into history would be like this, who would go back in time, and um, and choose a moment in history that was mayhem. Yeah, maybe 1066 and watch that battle unfold and all that sort of stuff, you know. All right, so that's that. Um, but my thought on that as it relates to the current tragedy, coronavirus, um, if that's the case, look, if you're a historian, um, you, know, you want to be... Look, you'd go back to the start of the French Revolution, I reckon. If you're a historian, you know, there's a very good chance you'd go back to the start of the French Revolution and watch that. Um, and watch, you know, the first three iterations of the French Revolution, maybe a couple more, right up till, you know, Napoleon comes along. You might live through all that to see all, to observe all the great political systems that now rule the world get invented, you know? That sort of thing. Yeah, well, I reckon you might go back to the Battle of Thermopylae to watch the Spartans holding off the Persians, yeah, uh, and count them, see if there were 299 rather than 300. Um, things like that, you know. Okay, but this brings me to the current tragedy, uh, coronavirus sweeping the globe, um... If if you're a historian right now, um, uh, you know, life has been pretty boring for you, you know, current history. Look, September 11 was pretty interesting. Um, that was probably the most interesting thing that's happened in the last 50 years. You know, because you, right before your eyes you could see, you could just sense... Um, that history was changing, you know, um, because if you live, your, your, if you're a historian and you lived your whole, you live your whole life and nothing's happening, well, you're just buried in books all the time. But you're not, you know, there's nothing much going on in your life. You know, you're not recording something as well. Like a lot of the great historians of the past were living through the thick of history. You know, and if you're a historian now or a journalist and a few other professions. Um, a little part of you, does it not, want the virus, this current virus, to go absolutely gangbusters. Um, so, you know, if you're a social scientist, for example, you know, and you really want... If you're, if you want, if you're a real student of humans, you know, the way humans behave in, uh, individually and in groups and all that sort of stuff, you know, something like this coronavirus episode... Yeah, is fascinating. 
um, because the only way you really get to see uh, the um, the true nature of humans is to see how they behave under stress. And this is putting humanity under stress. If you want to really understand humanity, you need to put humanity under stress, and you you'll see the real people. You know, you'll see the you'll see. Um, the real humanity, you know, because in times of peace, humanity's putting on a bit of a face. Um, humanity is acting with manners and um, not suddenly walking down the street and slashing their neighbours' heads off with a machete and all that sort of stuff, you know. It's it's not the real... It's, to to really see humans uh, for, whom, for who they are, you need to put them under stress. And if you're a social scientist or a historian or any of these things... Especially if you're an anthropologist, or you know, if you really want to understand humans, you're not going to learn much from them if you live your entire life in peacetime, because what are they going to be doing? They're just going to be going down the milk bar and saying, "Good morning, how's this weather? Hey, soft rain," you know. And you're going to say, "I'm not really getting a real sense of you. You know, I want to put you under pressure." You know, I think, um, you know. Police, you know, they get a sense of, um, well, they get a sense of the dross of humanity most of the time. No, I think if you want to see ordinary humans, well-adjusted humans, for who they are, um, you need to put them under stress. You need to stress test them, you know. Like, if you want to understand, you know, how, um, how how um, together a bank is, you stress test it, you know. And if you want to see, you know, if you really want to understand the wings on an aeroplane, you need to put them in a turbulence sort of wind tunnel and shake them about a bit to see if they're going to fall off or not, or actually you don't really know much about those wings. And if you want to know about humanity, you need to put it under stress. Now, um, if... You're a compassionate person. Of course, you want this virus. You want this virus to um, be defeated as soon as possible to minimise deaths. Um, but if you're a true professional in fields such as social science and you know, psychology, even and all that sort of stuff, is a little part of you um, not wanting? I won't say wanting the virus to go nuts and kill millions of people and really free... You know, I'm not saying that you want the virus to mutate and start knocking off 25-year-olds, you know, which will really get them doing their social distancing, won't it? Um, you don't want that, you know, on one level, but the professional you... What about the professional you, you know? Yeah. Um... If the virus does mutate, you've got a, you've got some real insight into humanity uh, coming up right before your eyes. You know, if you're a journalist, especially, you know, you've got something to report. You know, years from now, you can say, oh, "I lived through that." You know, um, journalists who lived, you know, the great wartime journalists, uh, you know. Um, I've got wartime photographers, you know. I even know some of their names from World War Two. Davy and Pera. Yeah, I, my real name, look, I'll, I'll, I'll um, divulge it, but my, my, I'm named after Davy and Pera. 
Yeah. I don't think you're going to identify who I am from that, but you know, you know my my first name now, and I was named after him. He was a wartime photographer who had his legs shot off or something. But the point is, um, he was, um, you know, a journalist who lived through something. Um, so if you're a journalist, do you want to live through something or do you want to live through nothing? If you're a social scientist, do you really want to know about humanity right before your eyes or don't you? you know, are you a true professional? Is there not a little part of you, if you're a historian, um, wanting, I don't know, this sounds terrible, look, um, I'll just ask it this way, with your historian's hat on, would it be more fascinating, fascinating, just intellectually, just put aside the morals for a second and, you know, your love for humans and all that sort of stuff, your love for people, um, historians had on, would it be more fascinating if this thing mutated and started knocking off you know, millions of people in their 20s and 30s? Would that be more fascinating or not? Now, you're not, you know, if you had a red button that... You know, God gave you that would make the um, virus mutate. You wouldn't press that red button, or at least I hope you wouldn't. But some people would. Um, you wouldn't press that red button and start making it. You know, uh, and, and a red button that would um, cause coronavirus COVID nineteen to mutate and so suddenly start knocking off people in their twenties and thirties in their droves. Uh, you wouldn't press that red button, you know, because you're a good human. But if God press that red button. Yes, you'd be horrified, but would you be fascinated as well? Um, and therein lies a little bit of a, um, and I, look, I just want to be honest here, a little bit of a, um, uh, a conflict I've got in my head. Um, I want, yeah, look, it's a fascinating story if we knock this thing off. You know, if, if we come up with a vaccine tomorrow, that's a fascinating story because um, great cures are, are great stories as well. But if we don't, that's also a fascinating story. And if it mutates and starts knocking off 20 and 30-year-olds and all the children, yeah. Now, I'm not, you know, this sounds like I'm a sociopath, but I'm not. I'm just being honest and saying it would be fascinating, horrifically fascinating, but fascinating nonetheless. And if you're a historian or a keen student of history or anything else or social sciences and so on, political science and all that sort of stuff, you know, if no tragedy was on foot at the moment, there wouldn't be a real chance of the world order changing much, you know. Donald Trump was trying to put a wrinkle in the world order, you know. I don't think he was going to get far, but this virus might get further. You know, if this virus went nuts right now, we might see a change in the world order because often um, great um, convulsions in history, if you like, and this coronavirus is a convulsion. Well, it looks like it is one at the moment, you know, an economic one at least. Um, Great convulsions in history have brought in entire new world orders. Yeah, the French Revolution is the biggie of all time, probably. Um, but yeah, there was a con there were a few convulsions in ancient Rome too. You know, they used to have kings. It's hard to believe now, you know, but they had kings way back in history. Um, and there was a convulsion there, and then they had a republic, and they never went back to kings again, and they loathed kings from then on. 
you know, for their whole 2,000-year history after that. Um, And then, you know, the Republic, you know, Julius Caesar getting knocked off and all that sort of stuff, that triggered another new world order, you know, the legacy of which is still playing out today. You know, we are living in the next iteration of that convulsion right now. We are the new Rome, the Western world, and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, And if, you know... Look, I hope, on a human level, on a compassionate level, I hope this um, virus does not go gangbusters, and then you know, a, a new world order is not triggered. You know, because revolutions and so on sweeping the globe could kill many more people than the virus might. So who wants that? Well, nobody. Um, you know when you consider most of their thinking, but a small part of the brain, the brains, a small portion of the brains of a lot of people would be thinking, look, if, if God's going to press the button and turn this thing into a, a, a massive historical convulsion, on one level I cannot help but be fascinated to see what world order is coming next, you know, which governments are going to be swept away, you know, which governments in the world are going to be switched into dictatorships and all that sort of stuff. Now, it's evil for me to say that um, this, uh, that on one level, I would find it more fascinating if this coronavirus thing got out of hand than if we managed to get it in hand. Yeah. Um, but I'd probably protect myself in saying that I would find it horrifically fascinating, but fascinating nonetheless. You know, I am checking my BBC World Service and all that sort of stuff daily, and I'm checking the stats and all that sort of stuff daily, and I'm I'm not checking all the local issues and how to wash your hands and, you know, what Scott Morrison should be doing and, uh, you know, are you keeping your social distancing and, oh, look, this person broke curfew and all this sort of stuff. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. Isn't he horrible? You know, and, you know, um, I'm, I'm not interested in all that stuff. Yeah, and, and people saying, um, you know, um, get, you know, order more ventilators and how many ventilators have we got in Australia and all that sort of stuff. Of course that'll matter to me if, you know, especially if people in my family get very sick, which is very possible because, you know, and my family, extended family, is um, very much at risk for reasons I won't go into. But um, yeah, you know, and I, I may be very well. I may be very glad that ventilators, you know, that Australia suddenly got cracking and organised a lot of extra ventilators because you know it might save my life. You know, but this part of my brain that I'm talking about, the one that gets fascinated on a bigger picture level, you know, not on a local level where you know. Yeah, we're all into you know. Be kind to your neighbours. You know, there's a big push on there. You know, this is a time to be kind, kind to your neighbours. You know, um, down in my street, there's another. There's a person down the street that's put a big sign out. You know, hello neighbours. You know, just thought I'd let you know we're all thinking of you and have a plant. Yeah, which is lovely, but you know, most of the time when I'm walking past that person's place, you know, I'm not thinking about being kind. You know, yeah, I'll, you know, like. I'll, um, look, his little sign flipped over his fence. He didn't put enough sticky tape on him, so on it. So I did go up to his door and I called out, "Hey, you know, I know his name. Um, listen, 
that sign. That's lovely out there. Um, get a bit more sticky tape on it because, yeah, it's a nice sign. I want you to leave it out there. It's good. So I did do that, you know what I mean? But that's not my primary, my dominant thinking. You know, that's not what's on my mind, you know, all those little nice things. And, you know, I'm not in on any social media, you know, chats about, you know, who's being naughty and who's being nice in the time of coronavirus. I'm not involved in all that. I don't care. You know, everyone do what you want. Um, yep, yeah, I hope the government does some good things and gets lots of ventilators in and all that sort of stuff, you know, lots of spare hospitals, you know, open up some old hospitals, you know, get them going again, all that sort of stuff. But I'm not involved in the local politics and um, the local manners of humans around me and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'm not involved in my community. I'm thinking more in terms of um, global trends in politics and economics, you know. 10% our stock market's gone down um, over this and uh, that's the biggest drop since 1931. You know, what's the most interesting thing about that? Well, that means we're crashing harder than we did during World War Two. You know, 1931, that's before World War Two. We're talking the Great Depression there, you know. So that's interesting on another level, much more interesting than this beautiful sign that someone put outside their, um, their house. You know, other people are writing little notes. Oh, it's lovely that you said that. You have made my day, you know. Um, uh, you know, little signs like this keep the virus away and all this sort of stuff, you know. People are saying that and little love hearts and everything all around that sign, you know. Someone's put a sign outside their house and that's lovely. I've got no problem with that, but it's it's not where my head is. My head, I'm more, you know, I'm not even thinking about Australia most of the time. I'm just trying to see the global trends, you know. Hungary, you know, right now. He's lurching towards a dictatorship right now. Wow. It's a European, a European nation. You know, they've gone further than just, you know, getting states of emergency going. Um, you know, they're, they're actually handing out, they're almost permanently, they seem to be permanently handing power, extra powers over to um, the executive in a permanent sort of way. Now, these are the things that are interesting me. Um, they're the sorts of things that are fascinating me. And if, the, if God applies the blowtorch even hotter, I'll be horrified, but I'll be fascinated. I'll leave it at that. I will mention that on a personal level um, I'm getting the sense that the thing is backing off a bit here and there. Italy seems to be backing off maybe. I've been watching the graphs daily of Italy and you can just see the graphs start to flatten out a little bit and maybe, you know, it'll, it'll start trending down again and um, and Italy's kind of the canary in the mine for us all and you know, if it happens in Italy it might happen everywhere else too even if it goes nuts for a while in a place like Australia even you know you kind of get the idea all right Italy it took about a month or whatever you know, and then it starts to come down again so um, yeah I'm pleased about that um, 
So that's that. And I'd probably only make one extra point uh, on, you know, after having done such a inhuman episode as to say that there could be anything interesting and exciting about something as horrible as COVID-19. Um, yeah. I will mention, um, and there is, by the way, there is something interesting about it. It's not boring. It's horrible, but it's not boring. That's just the way it is. But anyway, I would. And, and, and the fact that I that I even came up with an episode like this is a little bit of a product of the fact that I'm not in the firing line. I'm, I'm out of the firing line. I'm not on the front line. I'm not a doctor or anything like that. If I was a doctor or a nurse um, tending to the sick, I don't think I could make an episode like that, so I acknowledge that. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, it's getting late. So that's it for me tonight.